peace family so um i just wanted to just take some time out to do a podcast about this conversation further in the conversation about black women being homemakers in 2020 normalizing black women being homemakers in 2020 and before we even get to the core of the conversation we need to have certain mini conversations to lead up to it um get certain things out of the way to lead up to it so i first want to start and say when i posted and i said normalize black women being homemakers in 2020 for the most part most people understood what i was saying most people got it but this young lady uh she came in the comments very upset saying that that was demeaning um and she felt like that's trying to put her into a box and all of this kind of stuff and i just blocked her you know i'm i'm not gonna argue with you because just the whole energy from the initial comments right so I just want to just clear up that there's nothing demeaning about being a homemaker. I didn't say to be a house builder. I said a homemaker. So now we're talking about something that's intangible. We're talking about something that is very difficult to measure, right? And to be honest, this is why a lot of people are fucked up in the head. Because they didn't come from a home, you know? And... The responsibility that you have to stand up to to become a homemaker is not easy. There are a lot of jobs in one that are involved in being a homemaker. There are a lot of skill sets. There's a lot of initiative. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of budgeting that is involved. You're basically an accountant. You have to be your own entrepreneur. You have to, um, you know, do your own housekeeping your own child rearing, you have to do a lot of research, especially in 2020. So there's nothing demeaning about being a homemaker. As a matter of fact, there was a study done that showed that women with children who are housewives put in more time working and managing their household than many low-skilled 9-to-5 jobs. Okay, this is something that has been measured. So it's not really a debate. I'm not here to um, convince somebody about an opinion. So don't for one second think that there's anything wrong with being a homemaker. That's what you aspire to be. And understand that a home is an intangible thing. Okay, and like I said before, this is why a lot of people grow up just kind of messed up in the head because they had a place to live growing up, but they never had a home. They had a house, but not a home. So this is what we're talking about. Now that we've cleared that up, I want to just kind of go into a conversation that tends to pop up every time we talk about Black women being homemakers. Black women of 2020 are often compared to the women of the past. Oh, Black women before they, you know, They stayed home and took care of their children, and we need to go back to the olden times and all of that. But in reality, um, many of those women just did not have any economic access, so they had no choice. And as a result, many of those women endured all types of abuse within their marriages that they had to keep quiet about. So just because you see an old couple that was together for 50, 60 years, that doesn't mean that their marriage goes. That doesn't mean that they had the ideal marriage. Uh, you know, I've heard some really 
crazy stories to the point where, you know, I've heard of men withholding finances from their women during their menstrual cycle. The women have to, you know, have to get all types of cloth just to menstruate, um, you know, men sexually assaulting their, their wives back in the day uh, in the name of you're not supposed to refuse your husband and things like that. Now, this is not an indictment on black men as a whole saying that they're all beating their wives and all doing stuff to their wives like that. This is just to say that um, just because you see a lot of long marriages of the past where women were in and around the home, it doesn't automatically mean that that was a healthy or a happy marriage um, by any stretch of the imagination. We're not talking about the everyday couples, squabbles, and things like that, disagreements. We're talking about full-blown abuse taking place, and the women have no choice but to um, kind of stay home because they literally have no access. Like, they have zero economic access to even take a bus to get out or, or, or get out with the children. Okay, so we have to be very careful when we compare those times to our present times in 2020. Now, going back to dating in 2020, courting in 2020, one thing I cannot stress enough is that when you're going out on a date or if you're in a relationship, be very authentic about who you are and be very clear in your intentions. I've seen enough in life to to come to the conclusion that there's somebody for everybody. No matter how crazy you think you are, no matter how unusual you think you are, no matter how dysfunctional you are, there's your match out there. So there's no need to go play games with somebody, um, you know, that is not your match pretending to want something that you don't want and pretending to be someone that you are not. There is somebody out there for you. So be clear on your intentions when you're dating, when you're courting about what you want. If you're somebody that likes to fight, you like your little black eye, uh, you know, in a relationship, then be clear. Don't get with a man or woman that is looking for peace and calm in their household and you know that you're dysfunctional, you like your spice, you want to mush people in the face, you want to see if they're going to hit you back, you know, you want to curse somebody out every morning, you know, be slamming doors and all of that. I'm not advocating or supporting domestic violence, but there are some people like that. They, they, they need the drama. If the relationship is too calm, too quiet, no fighting, no headlocks, they're going to create a situation where they're going to get that out of the person. So you have one person that's frustrated, they don't know how they end up in this situation, and you just high off of their dysfunction because that's what you need. Believe it or not, there's somebody out there for you that likes that too. So be clear. By the first or the second date, just be clear and be like, listen, I'm a person. I don't like too much calm and too much quiet. I like, you know, if if we're not arguing and fighting, I don't, you know, I'm not feeling myself in a relationship. Be clear. Also, if you're somebody that is not interested in struggle love, you know, some people, they feel like if they're not economically struggling in the beginning or together, um, then the love is not real. Be clear on that. That's not me. I'm not going to date somebody that's going to put me 
you know, in in bad living conditions. I'm not going to marry somebody that's going to put me in bad living conditions. This is how you live when you're like, you know, when you're an undergrad, when you're a young adult. I'm like a grown woman now. When I got my first apartment, I didn't plan for, for I was 18. I didn't plan for furniture and things like that. So I got an air mattress. In the middle of the night, you got to get up and fill it up with air. Why would I be a grown woman now letting you and me sleep on an air mattress and you waking me up in the night, oh, baby, you got to fill it up? No, I'm not going to be in that situation. I'm not going to be a mattress on the floor. I need a headboard. I need a clean bathroom. I need a nice kitchen. I need those things. Why? Because I have provided those things for myself. This is my standard for myself. So I'm not going to get with anybody that is okay with struggle love or that thinks that that's normal. There's somebody for him out there, not me. So be clear on your intentions in the early stages of a relationship. The reason I say that is because even if you are being abused, you're being mistreated, uh, you're being cheated on, and you have to end the marriage, and you're in the right, it's still a painful process for all parties involved. A breakdown of a marriage affects a community, it affects the friends, your mutual friends, it affects the children. Even if they know, you know, it's for the better, they still have questions, sometimes they still need therapy. So it's best not to get into a situation where you would even have to get to the point of divorce. It's not easy. There's something called divorce counseling for a reason. So it's not a situation that you want to be in, which is why... I'm saying to be clear on your intentions. I'm saying all of that to say, if you're a black woman and your ideal life is to be a homemaker, to be at home when your children are leaving for school, coming home from school, or you want to homeschool, in the dating stages, be clear to the man. Let him know that that is what your ideal life looks like. Give him the opportunity to decide whether he wants to be in a situation like that. Because there are some men, their idea of a power couple is both of y'all out here hustling. Both of y'all working. Some men literally get offended by the thought and the conversation of being the, the primary provider. So you have to be clear. Don't switch up on the man and be like, oh, you know, I want to stay home now. No, you, you, you have to be clear on your intentions from the beginning. This is how we avoid disappointments and grievances and you said, you know, you wanted this, now this. This is how we avoid resentment in relationships and marriage. Conversely, if you're a black man and you want a woman that's going to be out there hustling and all of that, be clear. If you want a woman that is, that you want, if you want a homemaker, don't get with a woman that is offended by that. Don't get with a woman that feels like she, you know, you're oppressing her at the mere suggestion of staying home to take care of the house and the children. It's all about communicating intention, communicating what your idea of a successful marriage and relationship looks like from the get-go. A lot of you are sending your representatives on these dates. A lot of you are in relationships and your representative is in a relationship. You're not in it yet. Your true self hasn't showed up yet, which is sad and it's going to make for a bad outcome. So I just wanted to just cover that one. <laughs> Moving along. Um, another conversation that happens around 
black women being homemakers, right? Is a conversation about black women being gold diggers when this conversation comes up. And that is a symptom of putting yourself, black men, I'm talking to you, putting yourself um, in the shoes of celebrity. We tend to take celebrity culture as like the norm for, for like everybody, right? And you see these crazy marriages where the man is getting divorced and the woman is taking all his money and all of this kinds of stuff. Um, but statistically, that's not you. That's not your situation, black men. The least likely woman to be called a gold digger should be black women, to be honest. Um, because she is the only woman that has a male match in her race that is less employable than her. The unemployment rate for black men is higher than black women. And that reality only exists between black men and black women. White men are more employable, um, you know, than white women. Hispanic men are more employable than Hispanic women. Asian men are more employable than Asian women. But for us, that's not the situation. So you're in a situation where you are the last hired and most of the time the first fired. You're in an economically vulnerable situation. Black women are the group of women that are earning the most graduate degrees and are earning, are starting the most businesses, right? So you have a group of women that is more employable than the men, starting more businesses at faster rates, uh, graduating um, with master's degrees at higher rates, which shows that if she's dating the average Black man, the last thing that you should say is that she's being a gold digger because the statistics say otherwise. The statistics say that you're more likely to be in a better situation by getting with the average black woman as a black man, right? So let's lose that because it's not an opinion. Now, if you want to date so-called women that people call hoes, people, you know, all of that, then say that. Say that's your type. The women that you date, the women that you're attracted to, um, that's what they're about. They're not about anything. They only ask you for money, and every time you deal with them, you lose money. Say that and be clear. But the average black woman, statistically, you're more likely to secure your foundation economically by getting with her than to lose. It's a fact. It's not a debate. It's not an opinion. It's an economic fact by design. Right? Before sisters start that talk about all oh, these niggas. No. By design. You're not going to be in a system that wants to emasculate a man and give him economic opportunity. It makes more sense to give the woman more economic opportunity so she can run with that narrative that I am the breadwinner. You don't have no money. I got the money. You don't have no degrees. I have the degrees and all of this kind of talk. By design. So when we open our mouths and say that black women are being gold diggers because they want certain comforts or certain standards, it's false on a statistical level. So let's just close up that whole argument right now and just put put it to rest. With that, the opposite side of these statistics is that 
the women who are earning master's degrees, uh, graduate level and beyond, professional degrees and beyond, are saddled with the most student loan debt. The businesses that Black women are starting are the most likely to close down after one year, are the most likely to be one-person operations, are the most likely to um, be underfunded and undercapitalized. So you have a situation where it's actually in our economic interest. And let's be, let's really hear what I'm saying here. It's in your economic interest as a black man and as a black woman for you to want to be a homemaker. Most people, when they hear homemaker, they're thinking about leave it to Beaver and Little House on the Prairie and all of this kinds of stuff, but our situation is different. So you've gone to school and you're saddled with all of this student loan debt. So you're making a high salary but Sally Mae is taking 15 to 20% of it. If you've gone to school and you say, I'm not working right now, Sally Mae, guess what? You either get loan forgiveness, a low income repayment program. There are a lot of benefits to not be working, to not pay the loan as much as you can. And some people, they even go as far as discharging that debt in bankruptcy, it's a clause in bankruptcy law that you can discharge your student loan debt. It's not advertised. You got to really show that you're not working. But if you're not working, you're not working. You're staying at home. Can't pay them right now. Secondly, the situation with black women starting businesses shows that black women have the drive and the creativity to come up with a product or a service to start a business. They don't have the resources, they don't have the support, they don't have the capital to keep it running or to grow the business. That is where the black man would come in and her being a homemaker would make sense. Because what she's needing is a business partner. What she's needing is capital infused into the business. What she's needing is time and space to not be in a toxic work environment to grow the business. So... My suggestion and my recommendation in 2020 that's going to work for most of us knowing how economically fragile they like to keep black men is you being a homemaker in 2020 is not looking like you being a homemaker in 1940. You being a homemaker in 2020 means that if that's what you want, you sit down with you and your potential husband, your potential spouse or wife, and you say, hey, I have this business idea that is viable, that works. I need some capital. I need some time. I need some space to make it work. And you guys pull your capital together and give this woman an opportunity to stay home and actually grow a side hustle without being worried about rent, about mortgage, about major bills. And you, as a black man, become the primary provider. When we say men are the primary providers, we primary is, is the action, the key word here. It means that you're the main person that's taking care of the big bills. If you have capital and you're generating a small amount of profit into a small business, a home-based business as a homemaker, and you keep on regenerating that money 
into the business as opposed to paying rent, paying light bills, paying this groceries because you have a husband that understands what you guys are doing. That business is bound to grow. That business is bound to grow. And there lacks the problem. There lies the problem, excuse me, with a lot of black women businesses. They cannot grow their business because they're busy hustling. The little money they make, they have to pay rent, they have to pay this, they have to pay that. They have to be worried with all kinds of living expenses because they don't have backup. And this type of setup also benefits you as a black man in the end because you are the last hired and the first fired. We no longer can afford to be in situations where there is only one income. That is not going to work. We are too economically fragile. To be a homemaker, sister, does not mean that you're going to be sitting down in the house doing nothing, waiting for somebody to bring a paycheck to cover all of your expenses. To be a homemaker means that you have time to think and plan and create and grow a business at home for the sake of your household. And if you're not a business person, you're not into business, there are different degrees that you can go into. Everybody knows that I'm a tech advocate. Tech jobs didn't suffer that much in 2020 after the pandemic. They're working from home. They got to take pay cuts, but they're, they're employed. A lot of telehealth jobs, a lot of therapists are working from home. If that's what you want to do, these are the career paths that you can take. You can literally sit down and go on Glassdoor, glassdoor.com, and do research on work-from-home opportunities and go get qualified in these careers. The qualification sometimes, if you already have a bachelor's, can take between two and four years. You plan your life to earn a small amount of income while being at home. And should you guys have children, now you're already in a position to be at home. You can take your leave or you cannot take your leave and raise your family and be around the home. So we're going to go into more of why it's beneficial for a woman to be at home, why it's beneficial for a man to have his, his wife at home. From the perspective of, of a family structure, a family structure as a marriage, a family structure as a business entity, a family structure, um, you know, rearing children. And I'm saying rearing children because... Nowadays, when you talk to most people, what they talk about with parenting, it sounds nothing that much different from an inmate. They say, oh, I buy them clothes. They got a place to stay. They got food. Yeah, the inmates down the street got the same thing, too. They really do. The inmates have a place to sleep. They, get, they go out on the playground, and they, they get their recreation time. They have hot food. So that is not child rearing. You're literally telling me what the state does for an inmate. So we're going to talk more about that, but I just wanted to just get the conversation going on how being a homemaker in 2020 looks different from 1940 and how we can no longer rely on one income. And the key word when we talk about men being providers is for a reason. The key word is primary. The key word is to give you time and space to sit down as a woman and think your way through a secondary 
form of income for your household. So we're going to get more into that. But thank you for listening. Peace.